Welcome to Jazz Piano Skills. I'm Dr. Bob Lawrence. It's time to discover, learn, and play jazz piano. Today you are in for a real treat. I am joined by jazz pianist, guitarist, composer, arranger, and educator, Bert Liggett. Bert has served as the director of jazz studies at the University of South Carolina for the past 30 plus years. He received his Bachelor of Music and his Master of Music in Jazz, Piano, Performance, and Arranging from the University of North Texas, North Texas State University, back when we were there. Bert has published four books, Jazz Theory Resources, Volume 1 and 2, Connecting Chords with Linear Harmony, and Comprehensive Technique for the Jazz Musician. Additionally, he has published several original compositions and, and arrangements for big band, jazz orchestra, and steel drum ensembles. He composed extensively in the radio, TV, and film industry, receiving many awards, including national PBS awards and an Emmy nomination. Bert is an accomplished, I mean accomplished, pianist and guitarist. He also has a deep love for baseball, which I always knew I liked this guy. He plays a little third base. He pitches. And, of course, we spend a little time talking about baseball in this episode as well. Bert's accolades go on and on. You can learn more about Bert and all of his tremendous educational resources through his website, BertLiganMusic.com. My interview with Bert is a two-part series. You'll enjoy part one today, and part two will be released next week. Now, both the audio and video formats are available for this podcast episode. Of course, you can listen to the audio version through any of the popular podcast directories, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, or you can go directly to the Jazz Piano Skills Podcast website, which is jazzpianoskillspodcast.com, where you can also watch the video of the show, which I strongly recommend. Now, it is my great pleasure, my great honor to welcome to Jazz Piano Skills, Mr. Bert Ligon. Bert Ligon, man, have we tried been? hard? Have we been trying hard to connect or have we been trying hard to connect? Yes, we have been trying hard. <laughs> Third time's a charm, but man, I am thrilled to welcome you to Jazz Piano Skills, to have you on the show and to introduce you to the Jazz Piano Skills community. They are in for a treat. I know it. And, uh, and it's just a thrill. And I told you, I've, I've shared a little bit, you know, with you already that, uh, back in 1984, 85, our paths crossed. I know you don't remember me, but man, do I remember you. And I, and most of all, I remember your playing. And I've told you this already that I, I got to North Texas in 84, 85, and I was, uh, thrilled to be there at the greatest jazz program in the world. Yeah. And, uh, until I heard you, and then I heard you, I heard you play, man, like within the first week of being on campus, and I literally went back to my dorm room. I'm not kidding you, man. I went back to my dorm room. I laid on my bed. I had a six pack of Michelob, and I, and I started, I started drinking my Michelob, and I thought, well, you know, I could be home in about 14 hours if I get in the car right now. Uh, I was about ready to leave, but I thought, no, I'm going to stick it out, and I'm, I'm glad I did. But man. Uh, you were such you you were and you are a monster player and so it's a thrill well, to have you have you on jazz piano skills i don't know that i've ever been told i've inspired someone to drink a six-pack of beer <laughs> <laughs> well not, it's a first for everything <laughs> yeah I, I i i don't i can't imagine what you heard except that i think most of us at north texas felt that way about at least 15 or 20 other people there right it's a, it's a yeah. great school to learn from your peers you know Yes. Uh, it, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Bert. I mentioned this to you as well. You know, I, I tell everybody all the time that I loved my days at the University of North Texas and the jazz program there. And especially that time that, you know, I, Rich Madison, I learned so much yeah. from Rich Madison, and Jack Peterson, and, of course, Dan Hurley. But, but you know, it's, it's wonderful. I, I tell everybody all the time I learned so much at, at the university, but it, but I learned even more in the hallways. Just exactly. hang just hanging out with all the musicians that would were studying there it was just a, an incredible experience 
Exactly. And even just walking down the hall, listening through the doors that people practicing makes you just want to pack up and. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, un it was unbelievable. So, you know, Hey, I, I want to, um, I want to start at the beginning. If, if you would be kind enough to share your story, you're, I'm fascinated to learn more about how you got into music, your childhood, your inspiration, and basically how uh, you've gotten to this point in your, in, in, in your life. So man, rewind time, go back for us, start at the beginning and tell us about Bert Ligon. All right. I, I didn't have the, uh, the background of studying classical piano from from an early age. I wish I did. I'm not like Keith Jarrett or many of many of you out there who got this start. I just had kind of a different situation, and uh, I I didn't I, I played a little piano like everybody knows a right. little a few chords on guitar and a, few, a little piano, you know, and I could play like a, a triad and an octave in the bass, but that was the extent of my skills um, after I graduated from high school, even. And uh, I went, I, I went for about a year, not knowing what I wanted to do at all. And, you know, tried to, uh, um, but I was writing music. I was trying to figure out stuff on the piano and writing music. So I decided at one point to, uh, to buy a piano. <laughs> right. I'm, I was 19 and I bought an electric piano, a little uh, Wurlitzer. And that was classic uh, back in those days too. Right. right. Yeah. So, and, and a big amplifier and I, and I called someone said, I'm a new piano player in town, which is kind of true because I just bought the piano and within <laughs> literally within seven days of buying that piano, I was on the road playing in a pop band. No playing, way. Playing mafia clubs in the Midwest. <laughs> now this is just your straight path to being a piano player, right? <laughs> right. Right. So, exactly. So, but, but this is really important because we played seven nights a week, nine o'clock to three o'clock in the morning there were there was no music there was just a guitar player turn around key of d and then he'd go oh i'm in key of a and i would have to kind of learn these tunes by ear but they were pop tunes the hardest tune we played was misty and i kind of knew that i was like oh man finally a you know a jazzy tune because i was always drawn to jazz <laughs> right um but i'm i'm too young to be in these bars and they're scary dangerous you know <laughs> And everybody's packing, you know. So I spent all, all the breaks up there at the piano just practicing scales and arpeggios with those little speakers. Right. So I sat at the piano for six hours, seven nights a week. Oh, my goodness. And uh, that's really where I learned how to play piano. That's amazing. I, I, I worked out tunes I didn't know that they played, you know, and I, and then I, I just practiced scales. Nobody could hear me. Nobody cared what that kid was doing over there. When I left that gig, which was pretty quickly because it was scary, I came home. I was already conditioned to practice and sit at a piano six right. hours a day. Right. So I was averaging when I got back about eight hours a day sitting there trying to teach myself how to play piano. It was so frustrating because I didn't play, you know, right. and I would learn tunes and I would start uh, trying to get, you know, gigs, learning a tune or two that I needed for a gig. So maybe like, I think maybe Girl from Ipanema was one of the first tunes I really tried to tackle. And that's got a lot of harmonic information in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that bridge, that bridge has uh, tripped up a lot of musicians over the years. Right. But, but because I tackled that bridge first, it's like, oh, I got, I, I kind of get how some of this stuff works. And I would practice everything I did in 12 keys because, you know, yeah. I figured, what's well, it's only 12. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, um, and so I disappeared from the planet for about two years because I just worked a few gigs. I, 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 I my rent was $47 and 50 cents a month. If you can imagine where I was living. <laughs> yeah, right. I was right. Even at, yeah. Even at that time, $47, man, dude, where were you living? $47 and 50 cents, man. I was living at the, at the foot of the runway. <laughs> <laughs> at love field <laughs> oh that's funny in a neighborhood where they didn't care if i was playing piano all night because <laughs> right. there were cops everywhere and gunshots and i mean it was <laughs> it was God. it's amusing to look back to but i'm telling you this is this is where i learned how to play piano so so is dallas your home is it did yeah. you okay dallas is home for you okay yeah. got it all right so um 
And then I, I kind of emerged from the shell and people who didn't even know I played piano was going like, holy moly, what have you been doing? Well, I've been practicing eight hours a day, you know, and tr trying to figure it out. But I did the traditional kinds of things. I did scales and arpeggios. I wasn't studying classical music, but I would read through um, classical music and I try to do a lot of writing. Uh, so from there, untrained traditionally, you know, I started playing in rock bands and I started writing for the bands because back then, you know, they had horn players in the band, Tower Power, right. Chicago. Right, kind of stuff. right. Blood, Sweat, and, Tears. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we had horn players and I wrote for them. So I ended up kind of learning more about reading from writing. Wow. And then I've always been drawn to jazz. And I think I was drawn to jazz because my dad was a big band fan, you know? Right. And so when I was a child, I mean, if you could see in home movies that he's got the stereo turned up and I'm tapping my foot, you know? So I think that inoculated me and, right. and you know, that's where I got the, uh, the, the bug to do it. And in fact, my dad was the kind of guy who built a stereo system in the fifties when the, you couldn't just go down and buy a stereo system. He right. ordered parts and built the cabinets. He was a furniture maker and stuff. And so, wow. Now, was he a musician at all? Was he a musician at all or just a he lover? Kind of of played, he kind of played some piano, you know, okay. but, uh, but he was a music lover for sure. You know? Okay. But, um, so, so I, I kind of came to the, to the game late. And by the time I got to North Texas, I'd kind of taught myself enough about playing jazz and, um, everything else. Yeah. And well, writing. And, and so I, I could, I, you know, I could struggle through that program first. I, I had no classical piano background and I will tell you this because I mean, I, I try to teach myself some, you know, but that's, you know, tackling Chopin on your own. Sometimes is you're not, you're not going to get the greatest instruction from your, if you don't know the material. So, so oh. when I got to North Texas, the, the piano faculty who were sympathetic to jazz guys yeah. had a full schedule. So they gave me Adam Vinitsky, if you know Adam Vinitsky yes. up there. Now, Adam Vinitsky is one of the greatest musicians I've ever been around in my life. But he didn't know anything about jazz. And he wasn't going to treat me like, oh, he's a jazz guy, so I'll give him this light load. He just poured it on, just poured it on and poured it on. And... Um, I worked my tail off for him and I loved every second of it. Yeah. So it was an immersion in it. And the first time I played, he gave me a lot of stuff that was kind of, you know, not real difficult, like, you know, easy Mozart sonatas and a, a two part adventure or something. And I had all that stuff memorized in about two weeks, and, but I wasn't playing it well. You know, I was playing it, the, the notes and the rhythms, but I wasn't playing the style. Right. So I learned so much about how to bring out the real I learned how to rehearse big bands from working with him on how to bring out the voices in a Brahms or something. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, so musical. Wow. We talked about music. We never talked about technique. We talked right. about music. But that first semester he gave me, I memorized the stuff so quickly. It goes, I, I think I was too easy on you. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> And the second semester, it was like such intense music. Um, Liszt and Sospiro, oh and wow. I think he had me in the second semester playing Copen's piano variations. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And and then Beethoven um, concerti, not just the sonatas, but like all three movements of concerti and stuff. And yeah. I was I was just. I was dying, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Words, he, I'm surprised he didn't me. throw some heinous stare at you or something, man. Uh, no, he didn't. But he he threw a lot of tough stuff at me. Yeah, right. So so I'm saying this because I learned a lot about music from him, and I learned a lot about piano playing from just playing that literature because I had the greatest teachers. I had him. I had yeah, right. Chopin, Liszt, Beethoven, Mozart, and right. And so it, it relates. Wow. So I'm really curious because I didn't know this about you till I started poking around on your website as well. But man, you're a guitarist as well. So what? So what the heck? Where, where did that? Where did all that fit in? Fit into this equation? Well, uh, as a kid, you know, growing up in the era, I did. Everybody knew how to play a few chords on guitar, you know. So right, I was one of those guys. But but again, I just didn't do music when I was in high school or middle school, you know, um, and when I decided to be a piano player at that time, right. I, I just said, I'm just going to be a piano player. And I even wanted to be a piano player because 
I felt from being a piano player, I could, I was addressing everything. I had the whole right. orchestra under my fingers. Right. It wasn't that I, um, I'm not saying I'm not drawn to piano, but I was drawn to it as a vehicle to access music, right. you know, as a composer, as an arranger, as a, as a musician. Right. Plus I thought there would always be a Steinway piano waiting for me at a gig. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that is not true. <laughs> Yeah, you got to the gig and you wish you had that Wurlitzer back. That's yeah, I was I was carrying big Fender Rhodes around for a thousand right. years. Right. Uh, but so when I moved here, like I've been teaching at the University of South Carolina for 31 years. Gosh. When I moved here, I didn't own a guitar. But I'm in an improv class with kids. I got guitar players coming in who are playing kind of rock and roll chords. Right. And I thought, let me see the thing. And I, I'd, I'd show them maybe like a major seventh or another way to, or to play a dominant seventh. <laughs> right. This dominant seventh could have some other colors, you know, attached to it. And so I bought a cheap guitar just so I didn't have to constantly take a guitar away or push the piano player off the piano to play something back. Right. Out. Right. And then it would sit in my lap and I'd play about three notes of class and I'd leave it at my office, you know. And then I, one day I decided to bring it home and practice. I thought, man, it's just too much trouble. So I just, I didn't. And then another time I did, and I got really hooked. So, uh, but uh, there's also kind of a piano story in, in, in how I became more of a guitar player is one of the uh, clubs around here in South Carolina actually had a piano. Someone called me, there's a piano down here. Do you want to do this gig with me tonight? And I was going, yeah, I don't wow. have to bring a piano. Wow. And so on the way to the gig, he calls me and he goes, the guy took the piano out of the club. And I'm, I'm already almost to the gig. So I just went to my office and got a guitar <laughs> and I go, well, I really can't solo, but I'll come. That is so funny. That yeah. is so funny, man. You know, that's a fun, I'm telling you why that's, this is funny. Cause, um, I picked up, I've done the same thing, right? I play some guitar and my guitar here, right. And my teaching, and I got a, I got a bass over, I got a bass over oh, yeah. there. Right. And, uh, so I used to walk like bass lines on the piano, right for yeah. students and i said you know what instead of walking a bass line why don't i i just play the bass lines on a bass right yeah. so i got a bass and then i started learning how to play bass and and uh i got an uh a bassist in town gave me one of his upright bass just gave oh. it to me right so i started playing upright bass and so i was doing a little recital a little performance with dan hurley and dan was playing piano and i'm playing bass behind him and he <laughs> and it and he gets done solo and he looks at me to take a solo and I'm shaking my head. Like I'm, 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 I'm going like this, man. Dude. <laughs> he goes, you can't, he goes, you can't solo. I said, no, man, I just, I, I could just walk baseline. So I, yeah, it's, I, it's roots and fifths. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get that. Right. You, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. wow. That, so, so, so we, you're hooked now. So are, are you still a jazz pianist at heart? Is that still really the, no, I think I'm a musician at heart who ah. happens to own a guitar. Well, many guitars now. <laughs> right. Oh, you're, yeah. you're a real guitarist now, man, when you, oh. get, when you start buying guitars. Uh, not only buying them, but I'm having them specially made for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're hooked, dude. You, you are so hooked. Yeah, they're, they're also, I mean, you know, I, love, I love musical instruments, you know, and I've actually tried to play everything else. I mean, I've got a violin up here that I just can't play, you know. Right. Um, I, uh, I had a cello in here for a while. I could kind of halfway, you know, don't, don't tell any of my cellist friends I said this, but I mean, I, I could get around on that easier than the violin because this just seems unnatural. But um, <laughs> That's right. I owned a flute for a while and, and got a pretty good tone, but, but uh, lost it in a poker game. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I did. Oh I tried God. playing trumpet and, and they're probably still talking about me in the brass uh, methods <laughs> classes at North Texas about how bad I was. Right. So um, yeah. I, 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 I took all those classes because I'm interested in all those instruments, but I do probably play piano better than I play anything else. And I'm really trying to catch the guitar playing up to that as much as I can. You know, uh, what's fun about playing guitar for me, too, is that the uh, you have to really think through what you're going to play because piano, I mean, I always have big chords I'm able to do with my left right. hand, kind of whatever right. I want to up here. I've got six strings over here and I can't use all six of them at one time. time you know, you right. really got to be economical. And it kind of informs my piano playing and my writing too, to realize how much can be get done with less on six strings. Right. Right. And I don't have to be playing 10 or writing 10 notes all the time. Yeah. Not the, not that I do that, but you know. 
Yeah. Well, you're you're an amazing writer, composer, arranger as well. And uh, and anybody that's been to your website, I mean, there's a ton of information out there and videos and that to check out your writing. I just listened to a little be- begin the begin arrangement <laughs> that you did. It's on your website. Oh, yeah, with, yeah. With, with, it's beautiful. Just beautiful. Right. So I want to encourage everybody listening. Check out Bert's website uh, and it's BertLigginMusic.com, Right. Right, it is. Yeah. I, so we're you got a ton of information out there. We'll talk about that here in a little yeah. bit. But, but yeah, your writing, your your writing's amazing too. So, how how'd you 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 just kind kind of got into that just naturally through through the playing of the the piano and. Yeah, in, in the beginning, the first tunes I wrote were um, I did a little melody here or there or or something I was trying to practice some little passage I'd write to learn how to practice you know to coordinate some lines and and then. I'd, I'd sequence it, you know, right. and then like, well, there's halfway to a tune. And so it really wasn't even a plan to be a tune. It was just a, a reason to kind of learn this vocabulary. And then pretty soon I realized I'd written maybe 20 of these things, you know, and then, then people would, would, I'd play it with people in North Texas and then somebody would actually call the tune, you know, at a jam session. I'd go like, holy crap. Yeah. And right. If they, if they remember my tune that I, I got to keep writing. And I got into the <laughs> being in, in Dallas, I got into the um, the jingle business was kind of hopping there for a while. And right. I, 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 you know, you write one jingle and you do well and then they'll call you back. And right. so I had a, a very amusing first experience in the studio for this guy, and um, which I'll try to tell real quickly. He had the whole studio orchestra in there at one time rather than trying to do separate tracks and overdubbing like we normally do. Right. Right. So he had the strings in there and he had brass in there at the same time. And it was a funk thing. And he had a bass trombone player down there playing quarter note triplets and on low C's while the is like, and the viola part, nobody knows what the notes are on the, in the viola part. (laughs) And so there were all, and he couldn't get the timing right. And there's like, you know, 30 of us in the studio, which is amazing. And, and it wasn't working out. So I waited until an hour had gone by. Now we're into the second hour. So everybody's going to get paid for two hours. And I asked him, I said, do you mind if I maybe help you with making a couple of quick changes? And I went up to the score and I told, I, you know, fixed the viola notes. I, I took out the bass trombone parts that were kind of fighting the 16th note funk. <laughs> I told the, the engineer where to put the click so it would come out right. And we came out and it was exactly, you know, supposed to be a minute long. So I made it 59.5 on the money. <laughs> Everybody played it down in one take, of course. And, and it worked. And we all went home with two hours of pay. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> so, was, he, was he grateful, man? I bet he was Oh, yeah. Grateful. And then he started calling me to write stuff. And, and, and so I, was, I had access to really great players in Dallas. I mean, all the North Texas Right. Players and the rhythm players there were there, and the string players was always Ansel Brusiloff, who was the oh yes yeah right. He, I'm used to play with Eugene Ormandy in the Philadelphia Philharmonic. Well, he would be my concert master, so I'd write stuff for these strings, and they would do it. Yeah, you know they were, and they, some of them were all in black because they're going right to the Dow Symphony you know concert that night. So I had a real opportunity to try stuff and it worked and to wow. hear it immediately, you know? Wow. And, and so that's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I've written for strings since then because of just that opportunity there, just almost by accident, you know? Right. Right. But that's what kind of put me through school. I was still doing that when I was in school at North Texas, you know? So, yeah. Well, you were always, I was always, you know, from a distance admiring you because you were always, man, you were always on the go. Man, you're like you're like that energizer bunny man there was like <laughs> you're just boom 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 all over the place um so okay so look you, you know phenomenal pianist phenomenal uh writer ranger composer now now guitarist um but there's one area i want to talk to you about Uh-oh. specifically <laughs> that i i'm always fascinated by um when you have somebody of your gifts your talent um, your passion for education, for music education. And can you talk about that? Because um, it's fabulous to have somebody like you so committed to education, jazz education, the materials and the resources that you have put together, that you have published, that you make available for students uh, literally all over the world. So 
How did your passion for education come about? That's a, that's a really good question. And there's a couple of answers. Okay. I think from the beginning that, that I started doing music, people would ask me, what am, what am I doing? You know, they'd ask me a question about what I'm playing. How to, how are you addressing that chord on this tune or something like that? So right. uh, I, I'm sure they ask other people too, but I usually had an answer, you know, <laughs> and, and I, there's something hardwired in my brain that makes me want to explain things. I, I don't know what that, I don't care what it is. I could teach, I could teach hitting in baseball. I, yeah, which I know you're a big baseball guy. Yeah, we'll, get yeah. to, we'll, we'll get to that later too. I understand the kind of fundamentals of what, what that is. And I, there's some part of my brain that breaks it down into components and kind of helps people put it back together. So I've always kind of had that inclination. It's like, if there's an, a natural gift, I don't know. I think maybe it's more that than anything else, but I think it comes. My, my mom was a teacher. Okay. My grandmother. Was okay. A I think two of my grandmothers were te- two of my grandmothers were teachers. I think two of my great grandmothers were teachers. I've got teachers in the family going back right. to the 19th century. Right. I still, in fact, as I may post it again today, just because we're talking about it, I still have my, my grandmother's teaching certificate from the state of Texas. Wow. She went to what is now TWU, I guess, but it was yeah. a, a different, it was called, um, I don't know, it was just a teaching school for women at the time when she got a degree. Right. So maybe that's just come, some kind of genetic, we like to explain things in our family. <laughs> right. And I like well, to down, so. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a gift for that too, right? Because, you know, there's one thing to uh, be a great musician and and try to teach. And there's another thing to be a great musician and actually be able to teach. Um, and you, you are able to teach. And that becomes very apparent if anybody picks up your materials and reads through your uh, books and the uh, linear progression that you use in explaining and teaching it's very clear that you've given a lot a lot of thought to not just the concepts and just and not the skills but actually how to approach the study and the learning of those concepts and skills so talk about that a little bit well yeah it's all related um to just clearly presenting any kind of argument you know you want to set it up you want to be able, if you want them to understand this, if they don't have this and this, they're not going to be able to get here. That's right. So that requires a lot of thinking sometimes to back it up. Okay, I get this. Why don't they get it? Well, maybe they don't get these other steps first, you know? Correct. So even with people who do kind of get this, a lot of times I try to back them up over to here. Let's make sure that we really understand everything. So where when we get to here, it's like, ah, well, of course. That All takes right. a lot of time. I stay awake at night when I should be sleeping. All right sitting there thinking about the order of things in how, in order to explain this, what things need to precede it. And in writing books or teaching classes, I can kind of reorganize that. And over the years, I kind of have figured out the order that I like to present things. Yeah. Yeah. But that skill to me is related to writing music too. Uh, Because if I'm writing a piece of music and I want the audience to receive this big moment here, I've got to do the same kind of thing. You know, right. And I remember writing a piece one time where I had this figured out, but I had it in the wrong place. Uh And it took me like three months on this one chart I was working on. I had this really nice thing. And I realized that I had it here. (laughs) Right. You know, right. And I had to, all I had to do was switch around. It's like, ah, it it needed this first, you know? Right. So to me, that is all related to the same kind of thing. If I'm improvising a solo and, you you know, you've experienced it too. We've all experienced where we we do that thing. Oh, I should have waited for the second course for that, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm in the first eight measures. (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah. And then that second course comes around and it's like, I got nothing left. I got You're looking at the sax player. It's yours, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, why did I? Why did I? Yeah. You know, why did I take oh, this repeat? Oh my but, gosh, uh, that's funny. So, but yeah. that's an ongoing life skill that you keep trying to to balance. You know, work that balance out, and whether it's yeah. storytelling through teaching of some a, a topic, whether it's just telling a good joke, whether it's you know, right. writing a piano solo or improvising a piano solo, or writing a right. an arrangement. Right. Yeah. You. You know, I tell students all the time. You know. 
um, conceptual understanding drives drives and determines your physical development. So I'm always saying that you know, if if how you think and approach uh, a concept here is confusing, fragmented, and complicated. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's going to be confusing, fragmented, and complicated here. <laughs> you know, yep. so so you have to take time, like you said, those steps, mm-hmm. those essential steps to get to that big moment so that actually the concept of the skill becomes clear here yep. so that you will have productivity in practicing and developing it here. Would you not, would you not agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And sometimes the, um, sometimes that thinking is away from the piano, you know, uh, all, all the time. <laughs> and uh, sometimes right. I tell them, you know, they need to pick up a pencil and they need to write some things down <laughs> and it may be on just like rules paper, not necessarily musical paper. Yeah. Um, right. And then sometimes they need to just, um, right. Uh, yeah. And walk around the house and sing some. So they're, yeah. Cause you know, I mean, playing an instrument, yeah. you get so caught up. I asked my students, I mean, twice this week I've had students that I go, why are you playing that thing? Well, my fingers just played it. <laughs> so they're not really playing what they're hearing. They're, they're this finger, just like my finger must play this note. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we have a laugh about it, of course, because oh. they know they're busted. They know the notes don't make any sense, but their fingers somehow just kept going down in right. these weird places. So we have right. to, you know, so right. what are you what are you actually hearing? So stop playing. Get your fingers away from the guitar or the piano for a second. What are you actually hearing? And and let's try to find that under the fingers. You know, yeah, right. You know the importance of. Uh, thinking melodically right the importance right. of thinking melodically at all times right you know you know in fact what it, the book that you have one of your books I, I want you to talk about this for a second because i love the title i absolutely <laughs> love the title that you picked for your book it's uh connecting chords with linear harmony yeah a friend told me that's the least sexy title <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, maybe it's me, but I think it's pretty sexy. I like it. You, it, you know. it's, it tells you what you're going to, what you're going to deal with, you know? That's so exa- well, it, well, it tells you what you're going to deal with. And it also stresses a very important fact that I think a lot of people miss in their, in their journey, their musical journey. Um, and unless you get this, your musical journey, you, you you will be always struggle, like you said, and your fingers will just kind of do things without really mm-hmm. thinking about it. Um, you know, I had, I, I'd be, I'm curious to get your take on this. I used to have old jazzers when I was a kid, you know, 12 years old, 14 years old, trying to figure things out, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I would have these old jazzers say to me, man, you really want to get good at improvisation? Yeah, yes. I mean, you really want to get good at playing melodies and improvising? Yes. And then they would say, well, then study harmony. Mm-hmm. And I used to go, huh? What? What? You know, and at, at 12 and 14, I'm like, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. Well, then your book, yeah. your book, that title, basically those old jazzers would be going like, yes, finally, somebody's wrote a yeah. book that, that actually addresses this. Yeah. And I think that in my experience, a lot of university theory classes talk about harmony as if it's constructed, you know, up that, and down. Correct. Vertical. It, it is, is soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Yes. Next note, soprano, correct. alto, tenor, bass. But right. we experience music. That's in right. Time in time in a line. So that's why I talk about linear harmony because it's not a result of some kind of vertical stacking of chords. And it's not a, a necessarily a scale based solution to life. It's a, right. It's like lines and then we can, um, so yeah. And yeah, uh, there's a there's an infinite number of ways to do things with music, and I only know you know like this tiny little piece of it, but uh, <laughs> I'm willing to try to help out. <laughs> I always feel like you know you've listed all these things I you know that you know guitar and piano and writing and, and education, and I feel like a hobbyist at all these things because there's just too many things. You know, I, I envy these people who are like, man, that guy is a guitar player, or that guy is just a great piano player, and and I, you know, I don't know that I'll. I, I'm just a kind of a good hobbyist at many things, you know. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, well, 
that just tells you how far down the road you are when you start thinking like that, right? Because you really have an appreciation for how much there is to know and study. That's the great thing about that's the great thing about music, right? I always mm-hmm. say that it's not like a model airplane that you put it together and then you go, okay, uh, I'm done with that. I guess I'll go do something else now. Exactly. You know, it's exactly. not it, it, it's not that you know. No. Um, so um, okay, so let's let's talk about a hobby for a second, and then we'll come back to music, man. What? I just, I see that man. You're a big baseball guy. I'm a big baseball guy. Yeah. So talk to me about your love for baseball. I'm curious about that. I just think it's a great game. I'm not. I wouldn't be, call myself a sports fan, but I'm a baseball fan, and I you know I follow baseball. There was a period of time I would take my spring breaks, and I'm not that far from Florida, so I go down to Florida and spend the week. Oh yeah, right. I would show up at 7:30 in the morning when the guys show up. I would yeah. watch them do all their drills. Yeah, I would watch them play one of those exhibition games and I would watch right. them do drills. I, they would let, this was a long time ago. They'd let me in the batting cages and I'd watch the guys take batting practice. Right. That's right. I'd watch guys who won batting titles hitting off a tee yeah. over and over again. I no. would watch millionaires because that's what these guys are out there doing drills over and over and over again. Can you hit the cutoff man? If you're pitching and the ball sits that side, will you cover first base? These, to me, th- are things like what we do in music. We drill these things. It's exactly right. And it's the fundamentals, right? Right. It's fundamentals. the fundamentals. And then yeah. when in the game, they're not thinking about what should I do here. It's kind of like body, um, you know, muscle memory. Yes. Uh, they've already pre-thought it. They, they, their body knows what to do, you know? That's so, right. Uh, that's the how I, I liken it to jazz. But then it's just such a great game. Everybody takes turns, you know, uh, you blow it. Somebody else takes your place. And so, yeah, there's I used a lot to of, do it. Yeah. A lot of parallels to music. Yeah. Yeah. So right. everybody knows their, their job. So that's like a, a musician, but we all react at the moment and we have to right. kind of figure it out and we pick each other up and yeah, it's very, uh, very jazz like in that sense. No doubt. Yeah. It's funny. I used to go out, take my boys, um, uh, every spring break, we'd go to Phoenix though. We'd go to Phoenix right. spring training. You know, so, um, and yeah, it's the same. It, it was fascinating to go watch, like you said, these pros, yeah. right, doing fundamental drills that you're also seeing on the Little League field. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it gives me a chance to, to remind my music students that, yeah, no, you sometimes you still have to address the fundamentals so your finger doesn't just play that note. It's just, yeah, it, yeah. It's well, not, but man, I so, saw a, I saw a picture of you though, man, in a baseball uniform on your website. You're like, look, you're like playing third base. What's that all about? We're we're, you know, and 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 and, and, I, and I mean this in the kindest way. Uh, you didn't look like a spring chicken in that picture, man. So I, you know, what, what what's this all about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> You got the trophy, man. Man, got I got the- trophies. Yeah, uh, I got, you know, I got, I got souvenir balls from from home runs I've hit, man. Oh my gosh! I, I oh, found a men's awesome. league that when I was in my forties, and I thought, well, I'll play for a couple of years, see if I can keep up, and yeah, I I kept up, and then uh, ended up finding out I could I could pitch, yeah. and and play third base. You know, when I wasn't playing third base, I could pitch because I could yeah. throw strikes, and I could kind of mix it up to where I could, I could yeah. fool some people, you know, and yeah. um, I am, I will, I'm going to be 68 in a few weeks. Okay. And I'm still playing. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Well that, you know what, man, I'm so excited. I'm going to have to come watch you play dude, because I'm so excited. I just, I just told my wife and my boys this morning uh, here in farmer's branch, you know, just a suburb yeah. here of, yeah. of Dallas, right. They have an old timers league. Great. It, yeah. And, and so, uh, I, I told my boys, I said, man, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to try out for the old timers league. And my boys are so, you know, they give me so much confidence. They said, dad, what if you get cut? What if you don't make the team? I go, <laughs> well, I said, you know, then I don't make the team, but I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do it, man. Yeah. So you're yeah, still, you yeah, make you're, so you're playing still then. Yeah. Get warmed up though, man, because, uh, that first day you get out there and you throw the baseball, you'll be going, man, this feels so good. And the next day you're walking around like, <laughs> you can't play piano. So when you start warming up, like the day before, I mean, how long, <laughs> how far in advance do you warm up, man? Uh, you know, 20 years ago, I start throwing on January 1st. Oh, you know? right. uh, this year I'm a little behind schedule. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's hard to, you know, I don't have kids living around the house anymore and I, I should go down to find the neighbors. But 
But they're they're all looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Anyway, I, this is kind of weird, but I have um uh, I have a basement here, right? That has a sixty foot um, pitching tunnel in it. Oh my gosh! So and I also have some um, <laughs> some batting awesome. cage stuff down there too. I know, I know, this is nuts. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna I'm, come live. With, I'm gonna come live with you for a couple of weeks, man. We can play music, do some right. baseball, some hitting. I mean, it'd be fun, right. man. <laughs> so I work. I work on the fundamentals down there. I get out. I, you know, I, I won't. Um, I probably should start today because it's gonna hit me soon. But you know, I can throw. I've got a, um, a a wall I throw against with a rubber ball since I'm not throwing hard balls against my cement. You know, right. wall. But uh, I've got the strike zone up there on the wall. You know. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll go through a series of pitches, trying not to hit the middle, just hitting corner to corner to corner to corner. Yeah, and try, break off a curveball, make sure I, you know. Yeah, man. Well, look at look at this. I got to I got to show you something here, man. Just to show you, here is uh, this is my Nolan Ryan. Wow. This is my, my Nolan Ryan Hall of Fame signed by Nolan Ryan Hall wow, of Fame that's great. baseball. Now wait, man. I got I got more. Hang on a second. Check this out. <laughs> Check this out. Now look at this. This is my, this is my Johnny Bench, wow. my, John, my Johnny Bench autographed baseball. But the one I'm most proud of, the one I'm most proud of, right here. You ready? Yeah. <clears throat> my youngest son, when he was eight years old, he signed the baseball and he gave it to me. He said, he said, Dad, you're going to want to hang on to that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I have one of those balls myself from my son. <laughs> He hit a he hit a ball off of me that oh. did not go over the fence, but it hit the outfield fence and stuck. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah." So he signed yeah. it for me. Yeah, he's like, "Dad, I just I just took you yard. I crushed yeah, you, man. man. No one was just, getting that." <laughs> oh, that's hilarious, man. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. All right, so um, golly, so it's, okay. What's I'm, great about the game too for me is that on. Every day of the week, I'm teaching, I'm thinking, I'm writing music, I'm trying to be a better musician. I'm frustrated with how hard it still is, you know? Right, and then, right. And then on Saturdays for six months of the year, I go out and I play with people who know nothing about music. We don't talk about music. We're all different <laughs> walks of life. Yeah, that's in, fun. In many cases, we should never talk about anything but baseball, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. And and it's just fun. Uh, and, that's uh, fun. You know, we're running around and we're just like, we're playing a kid's game. The age range on the, the guys I'm playing with would be like 22 to my age, you know? Right. So sometimes I'm up there and I'm in the batter's box and it's a 22 year old left-hander throwing at my knees, you know? So, <laughs> right. Right. Um, but wow. It so it, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, have you ever been to uh, Kansas city with the, um, you know, it's interesting in Kansas city, there's the Negro baseball museum. Right. And then right, and you, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And then right next to it, you know, is the jazz museum. Right. Isn't that fascinating? Don't yeah. you find that fascinating? I I, I do, and uh, it, yeah, it hits me right in right in the heart. So I wrote a piece, uh, the hundredth anniversary of the uh, Negro Leagues, I think was uh, maybe last year, and I wrote a piece called Eighteenth and Vine. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, for and for some Kansas City Orchestra kids who used oh, it. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome! Heard, that's so awesome. So yeah, <clears throat> you I know that connect. That nexus between jazz and, and baseball, that nexus, that love between the players and the musicians, yeah. it's fabulous. Yeah. yeah, there are pictures of Duke Ellington's band playing baseball when they're on yeah. the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a guy named Claude Fiddler Williams. I don't know if you know that name at all. I do not. Yeah. Claude Fid Fiddler Williams is from Kansas City. And so okay. I kind of dedicated the tune to him. I would actually played with him when he was 95 years old. Oh, my gosh. And he still had gigs booked. Yeah. Truly an optimist. <laughs> yeah. He played guitar with the Count Basie band before Freddie Green. Oh, wow. He taught Charlie Parker when Charlie oh. Parker was playing blues and thought it was a 14 bar tune. <laughs> this is who Claude Fiddler Williams was. So when, you know, when I'm playing with him, like, there's like some deep history coming out of the violin, man. No oh, doubt wow. about that. Holy yeah. moly. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So how long did he end up living? About another year after I played with him. I, I played with 94, 95, just on occasion in the summer, but wow. you know, that's fabulous. Yeah, that's it was, wonderful. It was a really so, great experience. <clears throat> so, okay. I'm going to, uh, 
you know, now we're, we're going to move into what I call the rapid fire segment, the rapid fire segment of the jazz piano skills. Yeah. Suddenly we have technical problems. Of me because right. I don't want to answer a question. <laughs> oh, can't hear you. <laughs> right. So, um, so the rapid fire se- session here, I'm going to throw out some musical terms, some musical skills, and I want you to as succinctly and concisely as possible, Speak to the students, the jazz piano skills listeners, and kind of give them your do's and your don'ts with regards to this particular topic or skills. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm going to start. I would say I'm going to start easy, but it's not easy. I, I'm just going to throw it out. Scales. Everybody talks about scales. So, Bert Ligon, what are your do's and don'ts? Uh, that's a, I figured that's a great place to start. Um mm-hmm. I don't think I could play an instrument without learning scales um, because if we go back to, to what we're really trying to do, we're trying to play melodies and you can only play melodies either with steps or with leaps. So that indicates at some point I'm going to need to practice steps, which are scales and leaps, which are arpeggios. So it's fundamental. So you can't get, that's like that basic baseball skill. You got to practice that. Do it. You cannot do though. Here's the do's and the don'ts. What you cannot do is think that that, is studying harmony or that is studying melodic development it is kind of like just the um, the spice rack and certainly have to know it so i spent years practicing scales and I'll, I'll admit that i don't practice scales at all anymore but i do practice arpeggios and I, when i practice arpeggios i connect the arpeggiated notes with passing tones and to mm-hmm. me i think that may be even a better way to think of scales all right. is to think of them as like um, a way to to get to the arpeggiator notes. Right. So. Uh, yeah, got it. Right. Is this coming across? It's coming across, yes. That's a Beethoven theme from a cello, a, a piano, quint, uh, piano tree, I think. Well, that's a scale, but... Landing on the it, that's his way of saying this. And then here's another piece that everybody knows. Some people I was just, just going to say that they were, they're going to hear that as a scale, but but it really is. We'll edit out my singing, right? Um, but, but so then I want to really think about scales then as as a way to get to these points. So, um. Here's my Google Maps thing. I'm trying to get from here to here. Right. The important thing is my starting point and my end point. And I can right. choose the scenic route. I can take the freeways or whatever. That's the scales or arpeggios possible analogy. Yep. And I'm shooting from the from the hip here. But yep. um, the too many people start thinking that every every chord symbol or everything has to do with playing a scale when it would be better to think maybe what is the one note I want to play here? Correct. And then right. use scales and arpeggios to get there. But fundamentally, right. yeah, you have to play, play scales to 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 work out issues of what the hands do with the piano and right hands are symmetrical and so is the piano you know and, right right and I always I always talk to students about scales practicing scales with always a, a an intentional entry point and a an intentional destination point you know mm-hmm. everybody wants to practice scales from the root to the root and I'm always like <laughs> no you know I don't want you to go root to root how about root to seven or how about third to nine or how about right, fifth to right. you know how about some kind of entry point some destination point and then what arpeggio coincides with with, with that you know right. yeah so. i think and the way we teach scales in classes and in piano lessons everything is, is this root to root thing because it's it's easy to talk about it that way but most melodies don't start well, that's exactly well. That's you know, exactly right. And and I mean, and those all, two that I just played did. But but you know, you think about just little folk songs like that. They a lot of times start on the five and the, and or you know the national correct. anthem or some of these things. So yeah, practicing from some melodic intent point. Yeah, and and plus I think that if you're if you're always practicing the scale from the root to the root, you're doing such a disservice to the ear, right? How about yeah. you know if if yeah. I practice from the root to the seventh, my I'm listening for that seventh. If I'm right. if I'm practicing something to you know from the fifth to the ninth, I'm listening for the fifth to the ninth. You know, my ears are starting to hear these relationships. Well, someone asked me the other day, another college teacher about, I think we were talking about you know some melodic minor arpeggio stuff, which 
this may be too deep for this conversation, but the point, he was asking me, how do I have him practice it for this tune? And I say, I have him practice the arpeggios from the melody note in every measure. Yeah. Instead right. of going, okay, this is a, right. a such and such chord, so I'm going to play from root to root. No, find the melody note and then frame it with the Correct. arpeggio and or the scale. Because then that's what, if we call, uh, oh, say, Stella, and we're calling Stella because it's a beautiful melody, and we want to hear that melody. So I practice any kind of scale motion or arpeggio motion from from that rather than right. root to root. That's not my job. Correct. That's Correct. not what I hear when I hear any tune. I don't hear root to root. I hear the melody, <laughs> right. you know? Right. You know? And, right. and yet, as, as, as musicians, sometimes we, we get so so skewed. You know, what's that tune? And the piano player will start hollering off a bunch of chord changes. You know, the bass player is thinking, boom, root fists. And <laughs> anybody else in the world, they're thinking of the lyrics and the melody. You know? right. That's right. And, and so oh. let's go back to I go back to that a lot. So that's my thing on scales. I won't go any further. Well, I hope you have found part one of this Jazz Piano Skills podcast with special guest Bert Ligon to be insightful and, of course, beneficial. One of my mentors and teachers, Al Franzen, used to say to me after every lesson, never forget, the greatest thing about music is the people you meet through it. And the privilege of meeting and spending time with Bert simply confirms Al's sentiment 100%. Don't forget, if you are a Jazz Panel Skills member, I will see you online Thursday evening at the Jazz Panel Skills Masterclass, 8 p.m. Central Time to discuss this podcast episode featuring Bert Ligon in greater detail and to answer, of course, any questions that you may have about the study of jazz in general. As always, you can reach me by phone through the Dallas School of Music, 972-380-8050, by email, Dr. Lawrence, drlawrence at jazzpianoskills.com, or through SpeakPipe, a handy little widget found throughout the Jazz Piano Skills website. Well, that's it for now. And until next week, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the pearls of wisdom shared by Bert Leggett. And most of all, have fun as you discover, learn, and play jazz piano.